In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant to the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. 
remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. shows forth redemption's flow, where he by whom our flesh was made, our ransom in. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you see that of ourselves we have no strength. By your mighty power, defend us from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for Remini Sherry, the second Sunday in Lent, is from Genesis chapter 32, beginning at the 22nd verse. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. The man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, 
For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. The epistle is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 beginning at the first verse. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, then you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to count or how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures for ever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, 
Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. and power are sung. 
none can ever ask too much. With my burden I begin, Lord, remove this load. Let thy blood for sinners spilled set my conscience free from guilt. Lord, thy rest to me impart, take possession of my heart. There thy blood bought right maintain, and without a rival my guide, my guard, my friend, lead me to my journey's end. Show me what it to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Much of learning can actually take place in a conversation. It does not always have to be a lecture where the teacher stands up in the front of the room and talks at the students for so long, but rather a conversation can actually impart a lot of knowledge. That one-on-one -on -one interaction between a mentor figure and the pupil, the wise one who imparts their wisdom upon the younger by way of dialogue. This concept was actually common for the Greek philosophers, especially Socrates. Though Socrates himself did not write down any of his teachings, his student Plato did. And it is because of him that we know much of this. And in his writings, known as the Platonic Dialogues, a subset of the greater Socratic Dialogue, we see this method used often. A wise figure is placed in the conversation to lead the student and the hearer into the knowledge that is to be imparted. A moral or ethical statement is made and truth is revealed through conversation. In some ways, we see a dialogue like this taking place in our gospel lesson today.
Jesus is the wise mentor guiding the Canaanite woman through the conversation that she and the disciples might learn something about his purpose and the scope of his work, of the breath of God's grace and mercy, and where she and the other Gentiles fit into the great scheme. And it is true that Jesus spent most of his ministry in Judea and Galilee. He would only on rare occasions go out into the regions of the Samaritans, the Decapolis, or even further. Most of the time, he was amongst the Jew. His base of operations, so to speak, was the Sea of Galilee, with the occasional journey down to Jerusalem, culminating in that final journey down to the Holy City. Most of the teaching which he does during his ministry on earth is done to the Jew. Most of the miracles which he performs and the exorcisms he does are for these people. But rarely we see him go outside this norm. Occasionally, he would heal the child of a Roman centurion. He would cast out demons from a man in the Gerasenes. Or he would speak to the Samaritan woman at the well. Or the Canaanite woman as today. In these events, we get a glimpse into that greater scope of the gospel. So in his conversation with the Canaanite woman, Jesus very much brings out a point which is to be made about the purpose and scope of his work. The funny thing is, it's the disciples who don't get it but the Canaanite woman who does. In his wisdom, Christ guides the conversation to the point where her great confession is made. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And it is this comment that brings praise from Christ. O woman, great is your faith. Throughout the conversation, he's bringing it to the point that this confession can be made for the benefit of the woman, the disciple, and the faithful who hear of the story. The conversation begins with the woman crying out to Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She cries out that Jesus would save her daughter, that some mercy he has on others might just fall on her and her daughter. Save us. Get rid of this demon. For you, O Lord, 
are our only hope. She understands who he is. She confesses him to be the Lord, the son of David. She confesses this truth in her plea. It is at this point the disciples step in. When Jesus does not at first say anything to her, the disciples pipe up. And it seems as though the Lord purposely doesn't answer the woman right away because he wants the disciples to respond. He wants them to speak that the conversation can be furthered towards its ultimate conclusion. She continues to cry out to them, which annoys the disciples. Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Get rid of her, Jesus. You've not come to do miracles for people like her. She doesn't deserve it. Send her away. Get rid of her. She's a Canaanite. Worse than even a Samaritan. To the disciples, she did not deserve the mercy she was seeking. In their minds, there was no way that Jesus would do anything for her. And she should just be sent away that they might have peace. She was of the cursed tribe, which the Lord God had condemned when the people of Israel came into the promised land. She, of all people, was certainly outside of the scope and plan of God. There was no way that Jesus would show mercy to her. This thought can plague our own hearts and minds. We intellectually know and confess the universal grace of God. We understand from the scriptures that the death of Christ upon the cross was for all people. That the grace and mercy of God would not exclude anyone, but that God desires that all would come to faith. Yet in our action, we do not see this through. That which we know in our minds too often does not translate into word and deed. We allow prejudices and biases to get in the way. We let our sinful thoughts creep up from the back of our minds when we're dealing with others. Surely that sin can't be forgiven. It's just, it's pretty bad. God wouldn't forgive him of everything he's done. Surely that person doesn't really have faith. Look at how they live. Look at what they say. We, like the disciples, want Jesus to just send them away. Send them out of our lives so we can get on with what we were doing. We so rightly think they don't deserve it. 
And it is at this point that Jesus begins to speak to the woman. It is after the disciples want her sent away because she should not be shown mercy that Jesus continues on and actually starts to speak. He decides that the disciples need to hear what is going to be said, to know the truth, that which would be fully known after his death and resurrection. Here, we get a glimpse of this great reality concerning the mercy and love of God, that universal, abundant, and plentiful grace which comes from the throne of God. And so he leads the dialogue through the stated purpose of coming for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was a Jew himself, born of the tribe of Judah. He was the Jewish Messiah, promised to come to these people. It would make sense that he would come to show grace and mercy to them alone. But the scope was more than that. We have this conversation about bread and dogs, that the reality of just how far-reaching the grace of God is would be known. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The grace and mercy of God shown through the Jews would be for all people, not just for that small group but rather for the small rather the small group existed so that god might show mercy and grace to all mankind that he might draw peoples from all nations and tribes and languages unto himself this is the great confession of the canaanite woman the grace and mercy of god falls upon all people. But unlike the Canaanite woman, we don't always understand. We know in our hearts and minds that God's grace is for all people, including ourselves. But that thought creeps up in the back of our minds. Maybe we are the one who cannot be saved. But there's something we have done. Or that sin we just keep doing despite our hatred of it. But there is something that would stop the mercy of God towards us. We can get so far into the thought of our sinful nature that the devil would use it to blind us from the forgiveness that comes in Christ Jesus. But faith does nothing else than cling to the mercy of God. Faith stands upon the firm foundation that the crumbs have fallen even into our own laps. That even as we know ourselves to be sinful people, even as we examine our lives, deeds, and thoughts, that we have a heavenly Father 
ready to forgive us because of the blood of Christ, which has been poured out. We have a heavenly father who has declared us righteous because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Though we do not deserve it, the overflowing mercy of God has been poured out on us, preached into our ears. We have been washed clean in these waters and have now been invited to the table to receive the very body and blood of God in, with, and under bread and wine you might have forgiveness, be strengthened for this life, and go out into this world in faith towards God and in love towards one another, sharing this precious gospel with those whom God has placed in our lives. The conversation between the Canaanite woman and Christ was no accident. It happened just as the Lord wanted it to happen. The great confession of the Canaanite woman was so that the truth of God's grace and mercy might be known. The truth of his abundant and plentiful grace for all men found in the person and work of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. Uh, Pastor Parsons and Melissa are out of town this weekend. Um, I believe their plan is to be back on Tuesday of this week. Um, a couple of things I would like to direct your attention to. Uh, next Sunday, March 7th, uh, Reverend Andrew Fetter and his family will be with us. Uh, he will be presenting during Sunday school next week. Um, Reverend uh, Fetter is actually a classmate of mine from seminary, um, and he has recently received a call as a missionary to the Ukraine. Um, and so we'll be presenting uh, for us uh, on the work um, of the Lutheran Church in the Ukraine. Uh, we have several prayer requests for this morning. Uh, we keep in our prayers uh, Jackie Neeland, uh, who is recovering from back pain after a fall. Um, and we give thanks with Jackie and Chris uh, for Chris's continued recovery um, and that he was able to call and actually speak with Jackie recently. Um, we also pray for uh, Ruas Mitty Smith, uh, who will be having knee replacement surgery uh, this Thursday morning at Baldwin Hospital. Uh, for Celeste Threadgill, a relative of Lori Nice, uh, who is currently very ill and is awaiting uh, test results on that. Um, for the family, oh, yeah, for the family and friends of Tessa Marie Klein, um, a friend of Leslie Pacey, uh, Tessa died Friday at the age of 40 from cancer. Um, also for Sam Givens, uh, father to Connie Thompson. Uh, Sam is in Thomas Hospital right now uh, with COVID. Um, and finally, we pray for the family of John Broadbeck Jr. Uh, Johnny passed away last night. Um, so we keep them in our prayers at this time. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, Especially we pray for Bob and Jackie and Marga, for Eddie and Norma and Kim, 
for Suzette and Sandra and Bill, for Barbara and Chris and Gail, for Therese and Marion and Clayton and Meredith, for James and George and Larry Dean and Earl, for Suzette and Bob and Mallory and Mark, for Jennings and Hank and Sandy, for Megan and Isaac and Haley, for Stella Lee and Marilyn. And we pray for Shirley and Patty and Cecil, for Michelle and Carl and Karen and Jimmy, for Tina and Ainsley and Richard and Kevin, for Colleen and Ron and Mary Ellen and Brian, for Natalie and Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo and Easton and Janice, for Doug and Fallon and Colby, and for Jamie and Audra and Francis. And we pray for those who mourn a loved one, for the Smiths and the Overies, the Parsons and the Neelands, the Nice and Barbies, and the Trials. And we pray for those in military service, for Paul and Turner and Paul, and for Hayden and Mike. And we pray for our university students, for Stanley and Colleen and Griffin, for Noah and Harrison and John and Katie, for Dylan and Audrey and Dylan, for Roz and Sarah and Olivia and Jason, for Jacob and Minnie and Emma and Carly. And finally, we pray for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right devout and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church, let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them in the Sabbath rest, which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray also this morning for Sam and Celeste, for Smitty and Jackie, and for Chris. O Lord, look down from heaven. Behold, visit and relieve thy servants Sam and Celeste and Smitty and Jackie and Chris. We give you thanks that Chris was recently able to contact Jackie and speak with her. And we pray that you would look upon all of these with the eyes of thy mercy. Give them comfort and sure confidence in thee. Defend them from the danger of the enemy and keep them in perpetual peace and safety. Through Jesus Christ, thy son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We also pray this morning for the families of Tessa Marie Klein and for John Broadbeck, Jr. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn and upon all who are lonely and desolate. Especially we pray this morning for the families of Tessa Marie and John. Be thou their comforter and friend. Give them such earthly solace as thou seekest